lest we forget. Father, help us to learn those lessons to live and to work for peace, to fight only what is evil and corrupt, to serve and not to count the cost, to give our all in the cause for a better world. Remind us of all we owe, lest we forget. Almighty God, we come to remember all that you have done, your creative acts, your mighty deeds throughout history, your dealings with your people, your gift of Christ, your love experienced daily in our lives. Remind us of all we owe, lest we forget. Forgive us, Father, that so often and so easily we do forget. We fail to remember your sovereign transforming power. We fail to remember that you, we fail to remember you in the good times as well as the bad. To see you in the fellowship of your church, to count our many blessings to recognize in your hand at work in our very lives. Father in heaven, through all things, you remember us. Help us in our remembering today to remember you. Remind us of all we owe lest we forget. In the name of Christ Jesus. Amen. I'm going to invite the choir to sing, Lord, now let us. Why remember events that happened so many years ago? Why perpetuate memories of a conflict long since past? Many today understandably raise such questions. And had we enjoyed unbroken global peace since the two world wars, the arguments would have carried much force. Only, of course, the reality is, is that conflict continues to be all too common in our world. Central America, South Africa the Falklands, Bosnia, Northern Ireland, and the Middle East, to name just a few, have all given stark reminders of the tension which continues to scar our world. There are no easy answers to such division, and history has taught us that peace, if secured at all, is a fragile thing, hard won and easily broken. Yet the cost of war reminds us of the need to establish global justice and to break down the barriers that continue to place a heavy burden on us. 
we owe it not just to the countless human victims of war, but above all, to God. The greatest victim of all. There was a poem once written called, I Was There. It reads like this. I was there, there in the trenches, among the rats and the lice, struggling in the mud, as the machine guns spewed out their hail of bullets, lying in agony beside the rows of corpse. All around me, the bodies of my friends, limb torn from limb, wounds gaping, bodies shattered beyond recognition, and my heart bled with them. I was there in the city as the bombs cascaded from the sky. There among the screams and sobs, beating back the flames, pulling away the rubble, searching frantically with the mother for the little one she would never see again. And like her, my heart went cold with horror. I was there in the prison camp, beaten, starved, and tortured, watching helplessly as one by one my loved ones were led away, as smoke rose above the ovens, as the cars trundled from the gas chambers laden with death, and my heart groaned in despair. I was there as the missiles struck, as the world disintegrated, as the deadly cloud rose above the devastation, as we wretched in agony, as we coughed up blood, as we sat helplessly in the cancer ward, knowing the end was near. And my heart cried in anger. Yes, I was there, the one who died on the cross and put an end to death and misery, dying again and again. And if you think it broke your heart, remember this, it broke mine too. You can't change what's been, but you, but you can what's yet to be. And believe me, you, you would if you'd seen what I've seen. I was there, and I'm begging you, please, 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 don't let it happen again. Will the congregation please stand? They shall grow not old, as we that are left grow old. Age shall not weary them, not the years condemn them. And the going down of the sun and in the morning, we will remember them. We will remember them. When you go home, tell them of us and say, for your tomorrow, we gave our today.
in memory of those who died, may we be better men and women and in gratitude to God. May we live as those who are not our own, but who are bought with a price. Amen. We're now going to sing together. Our God, our help. Just a few announcements. Um, before we go on, most of the announcements should be in your announcement sheet, but just to highlight uh, one of them is that on the 2nd of December, PW will be having their uh, final Christmas fair. So uh, we'd like to go out with a bang. So I'm sure uh, most of you, not all of you, will join them in that uh, celebration. Um, in that. Um, we'd also... Uh, for jam parents, yes, jam parents, on the 26th of November, um, the jam leaders are doing, uh, us parents, a very kind and generous thing. Uh, they are taking our children to a movie after church. So if you have uh, children in jam, like I do, uh, you can go have lunch by yourself. <laughs> well, while the jam uh, uh, leaders take the children to a movie, the cost is four pounds they need to, you need to complete one of these forms. If you could uh, do that before you leave today, that would be brilliant. Okay, so uh, that's going to happen on the 26th of November. Then, um, today I would like to welcome a very special person, someone who has um, been very kind to me, someone I respect very much, someone who showed me what humility and humility is in difficult situations. Um, Val, we'd like to thank you for coming and especially grateful you brought your husband with you. Uh, Ken, I believe he's speaking earlier, later, so uh, welcome. <laughs> Jenny, welcome too. Um, <laughs> um, Ken, it's lovely to have you. <laughs> um, if you have ever wondered um, what Brent is doing standing up front, if you had ever wondered whether maybe becoming a minister was a mistake, you should blame Ken, because I remember sitting and inviting Ken and Val to dinner one uh, Sunday, or one day, or Saturday maybe, as you, as you do, to be kind to the minister, and uh, Ken asked that question to me, Brent, have you ever thought of being a Presbyterian minister? And I said, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> and the rest is history as I stand here. Uh, so Ken is always lovely to have you. Um, it's lovely to have you part of our lives and part of the history of our lives and part, and it's lovely to have you to speak here today. So we look forward to what you are having to say to us. Um, we're going to stand, oh, we're going to maybe stay seated, and we're going to start with our call to worship with the reading of Micah 4. So you have it in the order, your order of service will come up on the, on the, on the screen as well. Um, so I'm going to read the first verse, and if you can respond by reading the second, I'll read the third, and if you can respond by reading the fourth verse. In days to come, the mountains where the temple stands will be the highest one of all, towering above all the hills. Many nations will come streaming to it, and the people will say, let us go up. 
to the hills. <coughs> He will settle disputes among the nations, among the great powers near and far. They will hammer their swords into plows and their spears into pruning knives. Nations will never again go to war, never prepare for the battle again. Everyone will live in peace among the nations. Let us pray. Lord, we come to you again, reminding ourselves that you love us, reminding ourselves of your great sacrifice, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross, to show us more than anything else that you want us to be your children. You want us to draw close to you, And we pray, as we continue in our service, that that may be true for us. That we may believe that message of love and hope and resurrection. We pray for whatever we brought into the service, maybe hurts and pains, difficult weeks, Father, that somehow we may be able to give that to you. And that we may feel lighter when we walk out, knowing that you are with us. As always, Father, we pray that we may be brave enough and courageous enough to let your message touch our hearts so that our lives may be changed. In your name we pray. Amen. Let us stand together and sing, Filled with Compassion. Our young people can now leave for jam. In view of all this, what can we say? If God is for us, who can be against us? Certainly not God, who did not even keep back his own son, but offered him for us all. He gave us his son. Will he not also freely give us all things? Who will accuse God's chosen people? God himself declares them not guilty. Who then will condemn them? Not Christ Jesus who died, or rather who was raised to life and is at the right side of God, pleading with him for us. Who then can separate us from the love of Christ? Can trouble do it, or hardship, or persecution, or hunger, or poverty, or danger, or death? As the scripture says, For your sake, we are in danger of death at all times. We are treated like sheep that are going to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we have complete victory through him who loved us. For I am certain that nothing can separate us from his love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor other heavenly rulers or powers. Neither the present nor the future, neither the world above us nor the world below. 
There is nothing in all creation that will ever be able to separate us from the love of God, which is ours through Jesus Christ our Lord. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will bear much fruit, for you can do nothing without me. Those who do not remain in me are thrown out like a branch and dry up. Such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire where they are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, then you will ask for anything you wish and you shall have it. My Father's glory is shown by your much bearing fruit and in this way you become my disciples. I love you just as the Father loves me. Remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My commandment is this, love one another just as I love you. The greatest love you can have for your friends is to give your life for them. And you are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because servants do not know what their master is doing. Instead, I call you friends because I have told you everything I heard from my father. You did not choose me. I chose you and anointed you to go and bear much fruit, the kind of fruit that endures. And so the Father will give you whatever you ask of him in my name. This is then what I command you, love one another. I've been a chaplain with the Royal Air Force for almost four years now. Yeah, you get to do quite a bit of travel, uh, sometimes at quite short notice. Other times you know you're going to be going away. I've been to Germany and to Crete. Uh, the Falkland Islands, obviously, 8,000 miles away, four months away from home. Forces chaplains show the love of God to people where they feel least loved and they feel most stressed and vulnerable and isolated and we are there to show them that there is someone bigger than them who cares for them. For many people in the armed forces, chaplains are the one person they can talk to who are confidential, they're outside of their chain of command. Sometimes you could get someone say to you, I want you to pray for this person and then afterwards they'll come back and they'll say, obviously your prayers worked, could you say thank you to your boss for me? So they see that my boss is God and I can speak to him. Uh, and it's trying to introduce to people the, the reality that anyone can talk to God. The really challenging thing is when somebody turns around to you and says, Padre, where's God in all of this? 
You need to know what you believe and why very quickly. You need to have a good reason for the hope that is within you. The amazing thing is when you get to share your faith with someone and you see a life transformed in a very practical, physical way, you realize that when Jesus starts working in people's lives, they can do things and be things and say things which they would never have imagined possible before. I think chaplains will always need prayers to be faithful to God and relevant to the military environment where we're based. I remember when I was joining up uh, to the Royal Air Force, I was told that it's my family who will make the sacrifices, and that's true. And I think it's prayers for our families that we would appreciate most of all. Just before the prayers this morning, uh, I brought something along I'd like to uh, share with you. It's uh, almost 100 years old now, and it came from uh, Belgium in uh, uh, Easter 1918. It's a, a little Easter card that was presented to wounded soldiers who were in hospital there. Uh, my grandfather was uh, wounded in northern France, and uh, he was in the hospital in uh, northern Belgium, and he sent this home to his family. And I thought it was uh, so perfect today because it is almost 100 years and it's really uh, a message of hope in a very dark time. So I'd like to leave it at the front if anybody wants to have a look at it afterwards. It's a beautiful piece of Belgium lace work. Uh, the ladies in uh, Belgium are very, very famous for this and it's worth a wee look if you want to see something, a, a piece of the history from all that time ago. But now, Father, we turn to you in prayer. And we ask you to draw near to us in your presence on this Remembrance Sunday. Today we give thanks for the men and women of our armed forces, our police and emergency service, and those who serve our country today. And we remember and give thanks for the sacrifice of so many who have served in years past. The fallen and the wounded in battle, those who were traumatized and who carry unseen scars of what they have endured and seen in conflicts past and all too present. Our prayer is also for they who also serve, family and friends of soldiers, sailors, airmen, and members of the emergency services here at the forefront of the battle, and also civilians who have been caught up in the conflict. We remember their families, their loved ones, as many of them struggle with injuries and with the memories of those who have served in battle. We have seen today how many chaplains from PCI and other denominations serve with the forces around the world, sharing their faith and God's love when many feel most unloved. We pray for them now that they remain faithful to God 
and the military environment in which they serve and continue to be a blessing to all, we pray especially for their families, especially when they are called away, sometimes at short notice, to serve for long periods away from home. Draw their families and their loved ones near to you, that they may be near to them also. We remember this morning in our prayers those in our congregation who have suffered illness, who are in hospital, and now thankfully some returned home and recovering, that our prayers have been answered. And we pray for all those who grieve the loss of loved ones. We pray for all the family of those who are ill and recovering. For all those bereaved, may you be with them now and always. Today we also remember the terrible events of last Sunday in Sutherland Springs, Texas, which left so many dead and wounded in an outpouring of bullets and hate. Father, we just want to lift up before you now the congregation of First Baptist Church in Sutherland Springs, our brothers and sisters in Christ. Be with them, Lord, this morning as they gather to worship again, as they try to understand what it was all for. We just want to pray an outpouring of love and blessings on them. May they know your presence and see the Holy Spirit break through and bring peace and healing in these troubled times. In the past week, we have been reminded of evil and violence in our own land. Thirty years ago, when a bomb was detonated in Enniskillen, 11 were killed and 60 injured on Remembrance Sunday. Gathered here this Remembrance Day, None of us think that we are not going home at the end of the service. But last week in Texas, and 30 years ago this week, many did not go home. We can hear the words echoed by the airman in the the video, Padre, where is God in this? In 1987 in Enniskillen, we saw and heard where God was in the words and actions of one man, a disciple of Jesus in an amazing act of grace, As his daughter lay dying, he forgave the bombers and prayed for them, changing an atmosphere of violence and hate to one of reconciliation and love. Lord, we pray that when the darkness closes in, we too will be able to show people Christ and the way of Jesus. Where there is no love, let us show love, and we will find love. Where there is no forgiveness, may we show forgiveness, and we will find reconciliation. Strengthen, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, the bonds of peace between different parts of your church, here in Ireland and in Belfast and around the world, that we may build your kingdom here. Father, on this day we pray, even harder than ever, that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven, and that we can forgive others as you have forgiven us by your amazing grace. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Forever now our God reigns. And what a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus Christ our King. May we go on in peace to serve him. Today and always. Amen.
We're going to continue our worship by singing together Psalm 100. It's a psalm that talks about us being thankful to God in all circumstances, despite what we're remembering today. We'll also take our offering during this time, and the offering uh, will be going to the Earl Haig Fund. So let's stand together and worship. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Brent and Louise and the girls, Alvin and Ali, Jennifer and Brian, who have taken part in our service with the choir, and you this morning, I, I, I feel so welcome coming here and just being with you. And as I look up at the stained glass windows, I see the Lord as his arms like this. So thank you, Lord, for welcoming me here this morning as well. What a lovely picture of the church with its arms wide open, with arms wide open, not like this, but the opening of our arms through the love and mercy of God to embrace others. So I give you the words of St. Paul with which he begins and ends most of his letters. Two simple words combine two powerful ideas to let inside you and roam around. And they are grace and peace. They are never separate. They are nourished and fed by each other. So when you are open to God's grace, as all of us seek to be, that's why we worship here, it always flows out of us in becoming people who are concerned about peacemaking and building openness towards others that makes them feel at home with us. An old minister friend of mine once told me a story. I don't know whether he made it up or whether it was true from his life. But he told me the story of, a, of once visiting a senior member of the congregation who, to put it mildly, was uh, not an active member of the church and rarely attended. After a very long conversation with this lady in her house, he decided to ask her a more personal question. Agnes, he said, do you ever think of the hereafter? Oh, yes, he said, I do all the time. I'm sitting down here, and I think of something I need to get upstairs. And when I get to the top of the stairs, I say to myself, what am I here after? <laughs> and as I get older, I have a lot of sympathy with Agnes. The Scriptures constantly remind us of the importance of remembering. And why remembering is important for you and me is this. It is potent because memory can awaken a relationship where we grow apart. Memory can challenge us for relationships where we hold people at arm's length and we don't want now to know them. And memory has a potency to revive and to regenerate a fading and a flagging faith. And the biggest threat to close relationships in your life and in mine is forgetting. When we forget what our lives are about, when we forget other people, and when we let them drop from our minds, all, all, all that we value in life begins to come under threat of freezing. Instead of being close, 
and intimate and sharing and generous. It was Moses who spoke to the Israelites again and again in the book of, Deut- of Deuteronomy, and he said to the, the, Jewish, the Israelites, the Jewish community, he said he warned them against the danger of forgetting. And here's what he said. He said, keep close watch over yourselves so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen. When you were slaves in Egypt, when I brought you through the desert, when you were crushed, God says to you, keep watch over yourself and don't forget what your eyes have seen that God has done. And as a result of forgetting don't let these memories fade from your heart. That's not interesting. Who on earth ever thought Moses has nothing to say to me? Wow. If he can this morning remind us of the danger of forgetting kindness and love and care. If we just let it flow out of us without even thinking about it and forget it, we're in serious danger. So don't let the things, he says, that you have seen be forgotten. And don't let them fade from your heart. Now, it's very interesting what you and I can become this morning on Remembrance Sunday. What is possible for our lives, where we can go, how we can become a better version of ourselves and better at everything we do by remembering That's the challenge that Moses presented to the people. The next time your torch begins to fade in light, you'll remember that you've forgotten to put it on the charger. When, therefore, we embrace the habit of remembering, and we should do this every day if we can, take time, five minutes to remember all the good things that came my way today. Do you see when you forget those you freeze. If we can cultivate the habit and practice of remembering, our lives can begin to lighten again and be enriched again and to develop again. And they can grow with compassion and fulfillment. And so there are two things I want to bring to your attention this morning about the potency of remembering. The first is this, the remembering if you really practice it daily, weekly, that's why we are in church, remembering recaptures what is priceless. The richest people in the world are those who know the price of the things that money can't buy. So instead of jingling the coins in our pockets, Let's jingle our memories every day and allow God to give us something beautiful in that remembering. Remembering recaptures what is priceless. That's the lesson this morning. In 1971, the Presbyterian Church in Ireland sent my wife Val and our son Tim and myself to Holland in order to orientate us to to go into Indonesia where we were seeking to serve the church. On one of our days off, we drove eastwards from Leiden towards Arnhem. And on the way, we happened to just come across the Commonwealth war graves at Oosterbeck, where 1,800 Allied troops lied buried 
they were killed at the attempt in 1944 to cross the River Rhine. I remember we got out of the car and we were just amazed at this row of white gravestones. I started to walk among the headstones, noticing how young were those who died, most of them in their late teens, and most of them had names, although some were, were not written because they were unknown. After a while, I was surrounded by so much grief and sadness that I felt I just had to sit down and let it all sink in. I began to imagine these young lads getting up out of the trenches and running on to no man's land facing machine guns. How terrified they must have been, shaking in their boots. I began to imagine the pain of the families back home when someone knocks the door and brings them a letter to say that they've either been lost or killed. I began to realize the huge horror of war, and how, as we saw on the screen earlier, someone says, war graves are the greatest communicators, not of war, but war graves are the greatest communicators of shalom and peace. It was a moving experience for me, but I could never get away from the sacrifices they made. And I began, as I let all this speak to me, and move me emotionally, I began to reclaim the value of that sacrifice and the costly and priceless gift of freedom and peace. We have it today. But why is it that we may think, well, I don't really now value that. I don't ever think about it much. I don't actually... I take it in. I don't let it move me. I don't let I get on in my life of things to do today. These are the things that are cluttering, cluttering my mind. Their sacrifice, well, I bow my head and I go home and forget about it. Why is it that we live on the surface of, of all these profound experiences? One of the reasons is, one of the reasons we don't often value our freedom and peace is this. We have forgotten and what Remembrance Sunday does, it puts us into the cemeteries. It puts us into the sacrifice. It puts us into the courage. It puts us into the pain. And there we are defrosted from all the feelings that distance us from what has happened to other people. There is no faith on earth that values remembering more than the Jewish faith. Val and I have for 10 years been involved in the Council of Christians and Jews in Belfast. And when their own graves were wrecked in the city cemetery, we decided to go up and share the Shabbat service with them on Saturday. And having been there at that service for two or three hours, that's how long it takes, uh, we came out and just socialized with people as usual. We knew quite a number of them. But what happened most of all was that being there, they, brought, they welcomed us in a much deeper way and far more welcomed us. But the service was all about remembering the things that God had done, how He had brought His people out of slavery and that that cast a, a picture forward to the liberation of every nation and every situation and every group of people from all who oppress them or abuse them or exploit them. 
That is how they interpret their faith. And one of the quotations often that is made, and I see behind me in your stained glass window, I feel the church has already got my sermon before I walked in here. I see Moses with the Ten Commandments. Here's what Moses said to the people in Israel. Remember the day you stood before the Lord on Mount Sinai, and He gave you the gift of the Ten Commandments for you to follow. Remember that because the commandments of God are His priceless gift of showing you in the world how to live so that we are people of integrity. We are people of principle. We are people who are not prepared to put our money offshore in dodgy accounts. We pay our taxes because we believe we have responsibility to the world. We're not interested in in, in schemes to enrich ourselves, nor are we interested in anyone feeling sexually manipulated or put down or exploited because they need a favor from someone powerful in their profession. All of that is binned by us because we are people who allow into ourselves. We remember that God gave us His light, the Ten Commandments, which reflect love God and love people. That's why we're not into this dodging. We've given it up since we have known Christ. Nor are we into the sexual exploitation of anyone, but rather the protection of the most vulnerable and the honoring of all lives. The Jewish faith is all about the potency of remembering to change our lives. But so is our Christian faith. Look at what this table says. Jesus says to his disciples at the Last Supper, do this in remembrance of me. And this card was brought this morning from the First World War, very simply and very beautifully, to say, remember me. Jesus took the bread and he said, do this to remember me in the Last Supper. He takes the cup and said, this, this is my blood shed for you. Do this to remember me. And that is why memory has a power to recapture what is priceless. When you and I begin to feel nothing about the cross of Christ, when it rolls off us like rain hitting the windscreen on the way home uh, in your car, swish, 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 I'm in danger of forgetting the most priceless things that God has given us. That's why St. Paul put it beautifully when he said this. I am convinced that there is nothing more priceless than the love of God. If there is one thing that St. Paul wants to get into us and what the Bible wants to get into us and what our faith wants to get into us is this. See yourself at Niagara Falls. And the pouring of that water for millions of years. The power of it. But don't just view it from the viewing deck. Get a jacket on you and go down and stand at the side as your water pours down and put, let it to just step into the spray. That is the power of memory, to let the priceless love of God flow into us. How beautifully Paul put it. Whether we are high above the sky, like a jet going to New York, or whether we're in the deepest ocean with David Attenborough exploring life in the utter darkness. 
There is nothing in all creation that will ever be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And if there is one thing that is, get, should be getting into our hearts in this Remembrance Sunday is the priceless love of God for you and me. We can't earn it. It has been flowing before we ever came into the world. It is flowing throughout our lifestyle, our lives. And when we have left this world, it will flow for the next generation. But the biggest transformation happens when we let it flow into us. And then to let it flow out. I would encourage you to develop the habit and practice of remembering how God touched your life every day because that can recapture what is priceless. The second thing I want to say this morning is this, that remembering will recast your lifestyle. As I get older, I ask myself, to be quite honest, I ask myself more and more big questions about my own faith. What does it mean, Ken, to believe in a God that created the universe 13.82 billion years ago. And from the moment it was conceived in his mind and became a reality, it has always been a loved world. And it always will be. What does it mean to follow Christ and to receive him in my heart? What on earth does that mean, Ken? These are the questions I'm asking myself now, even when I'm sitting going into town using my bus pass. These are the questions I'm interested in. I ask myself, what does it mean, Ken, to be born again? Whether we like that term or whether we feel it doesn't fit us. What does it mean to be justified by grace, Ken? What does it mean to be saved? It was Martin Luther who gave us the big idea of what faith in Christ means when he says it recasts our lifestyle. You know, sometimes these great cathedrals have a big problem with bells that go slightly off, or a crack appears in them, and they have to send them away to be smelted down and to recast in a new form. And one of the things that allowing the love of God to flow into us does is this. It will recast your lifestyle so that the sound coming out of it will be beautiful. That's why we're in church, to be recast. Not just be the same old me day by day doing the same old things, but recast by the grace of God. And here is what Luther uh, spoke about. He talked about the great exchange. And let me read you his exact words. This is the rich mystery of God's grace towards us as sinners. By a wonderful exchange, my sins are no longer mine, but Christ's. And the righteousness of Christ is no longer his, but is mine. He emptied himself of his own goodness in order to fill me with it and to clothe me in it. And he filled himself with my sins in order to empty me of my sins. A great exchange takes place when we encounter Christ. There is a recasting process in the way we live and the changes we make. I exchange my life. Here it goes. I exchange my life as it is today 
for Christ's life. I exchange my character, as it works through me today, for his character. I exchange my ambitions, all the things I want to do and get out of life, I exchange all my ambitions for Christ's ambitions. I exchange my lifestyle for the way Jesus lived. That is what it means to have faith in Christ. And that involves, as Luther says, here's, here's what he says, what this great exchange is all about. He says the great exchange is, in a certain way, I become Christ for the other person. And we become Christ for one another. This is what it means to truly be Christians. And what does Christ want to exchange in us? What does he want to take out of you and me? And what is it he wants to put into us? The first thing is this. He wants to make of you and me people of the new commandment. He wants to make of every church communities of the new commandment. And the commu new commandment which we read about in Scripture is very simple. This is my command to you. Love each other as simple as that. Love each other the way I loved you. You cannot be saved or born again or even believe in God unless there's a progressive recasting our lifestyles so that we actually start to becoming more loving people. That is, the center of my life is no longer me. It's not all about me anymore. It's all about how I'm coming across to you. And as people often say back to us when we speak to them in the wrong mood, it's not what you say that's the problem. It's how you make me feel. I give you a new commandment. Love each other as I've loved you. That's what Christ wants you and me to adopt we become Christ for the other person. But then, Luther also tells us that we become Christ for our communities. He points to the trees. There is no tree that bears fruit for itself. Do you ever see a tree? Like Psalm 1, you shall be like trees planted by a river that bear fruit in season. You never see an apple tree eating its own fruit. Or an orange tree eating its own fruit. Why is that? The tree's life is given away, enriching others. Luther says, the sun in the sky doesn't live for the sun at the center of our solar system. The sun gives its light away so that its warmth and light touches the earth and things start to grow. And that's why your life can never be self-focused. Your life and my life is not about getting for ourselves. Our lives are like going the direction of Christ. It is, becomes a self-giving faith. And he puts it very beautifully. Rivers don't flow through deserts for the sake of a river. Rivers flow through deserts to irrigate the land on either side 
and people grow crops. And Luther even says, look at your own body. Your kidneys aren't about the kidneys being great or the heart being great or the hand being great or the foot being great. All of them work together for the well-being of the total body. And that is why we need to not only have an exchange of our lives with Christ where His life becomes ours, we need also to engage in our communities. And here's my question to you this morning. What are you, like a river, letting flow from you into your community? Some people have no sense of community. It's all about themselves. They don't feel responsible. Somebody else can do it. But an engagement with Christ will always engage you also with your community. There will be something God is asking you to give that only you can give. And it, like the river, it has to flow in order to irrigate. How beautifully our faith reminds us that our life in Christ is always recast towards making peace, towards reconciliation, where there is conflict, Reconciliation from the kitchen, in the house, in the family, in the church, in the community, in the world. Reconciliation goes from the kitchen to the cosmos. And how beautifully Micah puts it in the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house will be the higher than Everest, and all the nations of the world will flow up to it. They will say, come, let us go up to the house of the Lord because he will teach us his ways so that we may walk in them. He will settle disputes among ancient nations. The God who has drawn close, close to us in Christ and pours his love into us is a God who involves himself in the disputes of the world. He will settle disputes among great nations. They will beat their swords into plowshares to turn the land. They will, beat their, they, they will turn their spears into pruning hooks to prune the vines. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they study war anymore. I love the symbol in Northern Ireland of the, of the hand of Ulster. And the story behind it of the Viking kings who wanted to claim a piece of land. And the one who touched it first would get the land. And so one cut his hand off and threw it across the river and claimed the land. But do you know, living in this country that you and I live in, I often feel the other side of the hand is like being stopped by a policeman when I'm going too fast. Stop. And notice the distance between the hand and the heart. All the people we keep at a distance, politically, socially, educationally, gender-wise, all the pushing of people away. Our destiny in Christ, our future as a country, and the message of Remembrance Sunday is this. Don't forget this, that the purpose of God pouring His love into us and Christ exchanging His life for ours is this. He turns that big hand of holding you at arm's length. Here's our future. He turns it into that. Don't ever wait for peace to come down from Stormont. It is people like you and me and churches like this and other churches that will see the peace flow.
flow up the hill of Stormont into the chambers because it is the mission of the church to make the communities what we want our politicians to administer. They can't create what we want or God envisions. We can by the faith that we have. And let's not forget that vision. And on this Remembrance Sunday, let us cultivate the habit of remembering. It recaptures what is priceless. And it recasts our lifestyles in the form of Christ. Let us pray. In the quietness now, let's just make our own prayer. Heavenly Father, cultivate within us a faith that is strong in memory, in reclaiming what is priceless, and like the tree and the sun and the river, and even the elements of our bodies, give something to the community and world in which we live. May the love of Christ flow into us and may it have, from this service, may it flow out of us and bring life and hope to others. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Our closing hymn is number 491, Be Thou My Vision. Before Ken says benediction, can I uh, invite you for some tea and coffee after the service? And as always, if you need prayer for yourself or for someone else, or you can, uh, when, you, when you come to us, you can say as little as you want or tell us what you need for uh, prayer for. It's on my, my right-hand side, your left. The blessing of God. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you and all whom you love this day and forevermore. Amen.